I only have two movies. Do we both only have two movies to talk about? Yeah, I just watched the two that you watched. Good, okay. Uh, so there they are. How are we going to divide these up? Who wants to talk about an American pickle and who wants to introduce the other one? I guess I can do an American pickle. Okay. I get it. It's like a like a hard problem to solve, but also because he makes pickles. Right. He's in a pickle. Yeah. But he makes a pickle. Right. And he is a pickle. Yeah, so it's kind of a, a triple entendre. Yeah. Because he is pickled. Is I guess he's an American. I mean, that's not oh, a yeah. statement Does on immigration. Right. He's not, he's not particularly American, though, in his... Right. So I wonder why that was important. Yeah. Why not call it just, you know, the pickle or a pickle? But right. now I'm getting critical before I've even <laughs> said right. my first sentence. So anyway, yeah, no, it, is right a, it is a new comedy. It says comedy drama film, but I, I think more comedy. I feel like comedies have heart and a little bit of weight. Yeah, in the last this is wackier years. than I even expected it to be. Yes. This is directed by Brandon Trost or Trost. I'm not sure the right way. Sorry, Brandon. And written by Simon, who I assume was listening. And written by Simon Rich based on his 2013 short story, Sellout, which is something that I now want to read because I'm in, in reading about differences of the movie and the adaptation, I'd be interested to see the original. Sure. And it stars uh, Seth Rogen in a dual role. He plays an immigrant from 100 years ago who comes to America hoping for a better life for himself and for his wife and family to be. And he falls into a vat of pickles and is perfectly preserved, even though the factory closes down and time goes by. And he wakes up in modern day New York and he meets up with his last remaining family member, who's also played by Seth Rogen named uh, Ben. Oh, I should say the, the first guy was Herschel. The second guy, Ben. And Ben is surprisingly willing to completely welcome Herschel into his life and at first they're kind of kind to each other and herschel is pleased to see how ben who is a uh app what, what's the word i'm looking for developer. app developer there we go an app developer is doing all right and has things like seltzer water that herschel could only dream of being able to mm. afford back in the day by the way that was one of the funnier moments i thought when herschel sadly has to walk by the Right. seltzer water vendor yep. on the street as if that was a thing i loved that right. anyway they end up uh becoming enemies for a time herschel is trying to sell his pickles in order to make enough money to tear down a billboard that is desecrating his late wife's grave and ben for a contrivance of plot is angry with herschel because they got in a little scuffle they gave him a criminal record and it made it so he couldn't sell his app and you know movie problems and then the movie goes in a different place altogether where the two of them sort of compete to uh make each other suffer but then in the end they decide that they are family and that there is uh value in both the past and the present and then they're friends again and they bring together the pickle making prowess with the internet know-how and presumably will go on to do great things so i don't think i'm giving a thing away no. in this it's basically a two-character movie i thought both of the characters yeah. are seth rogan it's almost like a play there's very few people who are important here right 
Yeah, this. So I went up. I had a roller coaster ride with this movie. Uh, you know, it sounds goofy, but I wasn't quite prepared for how silly it was, and I liked that. I liked that it was kind of a very like '80s movie where you have yeah. like the foreign guy. He's got an accent, and you care you caricature everything in his little town, and but it's not he mean spirited. It's it's affectionate, and then you have the kind of clash of the present and the past. And I was down with all of that. And then it got even goofier than I imagined. And as soon as they became mortal enemies mm-hmm. and it became an enemy comedy of like trying to destroy each other's lives. And particularly when it took a turn towards, I, I, I guess they would want to call it political satire, but mm-hmm. like discourse satire. Then I was, it, to me, it, it left a bad taste around that time. Yeah, it, me I, too. I lost interest. It was I think it was more tone deaf in that way than even uh, long shot where we had yeah. that complaint about that movie. Um, but then it came back around. I just didn't right. think they needed to veer from just the two of them talking, just the two of right. them discovering each other and learning from each other. I knew it was going to be kind of a, you know, meet in the middle kind of a thing, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it felt really dumb and cringy. Although I did, I liked the moment when Ben who, who now, you know, hates Herschel who has all these ancient problematic opinions when he suggests, you know, you should go on Twitter. That's a funny joke. But then when that happens and the next half hour of the movie is about that kind of stuff, I just, uh, I I didn't enjoy that. Yeah, I agree. I like the bookends of the movie where they're supportive of one another. It doesn't make a lot of sense why Ben has absolutely no one in his life and is just completely willing. He doesn't see Herschel as an imposition at all. He he just welcomes him into his life. And that they would just get along like the, and I'm t- I wouldn't want to watch a fish out of water story. That's completely boring. But imagining how Herschel would navigate the world 100 years later, they it's like he just kind of jumped into it with very, very little problem. Right. And the middle could have been another movie entirely where they're mortal enemies, kind of like a death to Smoo- Smoochie or Sour Grapesy, you know, just how awful can we be to each other? And that's the fun. But I felt like that was just taking up what should have been a brief plot contrivance and stretching it into a second act. Right. You know, I thought it was became meaningful at the end, even when Ben ends up, you know, back with the other Jewish men, you know, saying the prayer of mourning. And I, I kind of liked that part. I thought that was thought that was sweet. But who is this person who, we, who we've not recognized before? And why hasn't he processed his parents death? They treat right. it like it was a childhood trauma, but like if Rogan's playing his real age, that happened when he was like in his mid thirties, right. his parents' death. You know, yeah. not that that makes it any less sad, but the idea that he'd be like a traumatized child and unable to move forward d- didn't really read true. I felt a little and they, confused by yeah. that. And they save that as the kind of emotional denouement when really he should have been resistant to Herschel from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, you know, excited to meet him because of the oddity of it. But then they, they, they don't need to turn into cartoon enemies who hate each other. It should have been a, resi- a resistance or, a, you know, a, a resentment of the mm-hmm. past related to his his fear of family, his fear of, of you know, exploring his own family, facing his loss or whatever. Instead, the, the thing those things seem kind of disjointed and not related. I don't know. It's way too much analysis for this. I did see something interesting in the ebert.com review about how the story, I guess, is intended to explore different uh, expressions of Jewish identity and specifically Mm, manhood. 
which okay, that's interesting. But this is this movie is a little too, uh, you know, sketchy to to to. I would have been interested in in more of that. Yeah, I agree. The stuff in the middle, especially like you say, when it veered into the pretty flat political stuff, it's not funny. It's not clever. I didn't. I was just kind of bored through that point. I it lost me a little bit, like when he said, "Oh yes, little boy," to that store clerk. I thought, who mm-hmm. is that joke for? Mm-hmm. You know, because it's only the people who are jerks and would get a kick out of that person being called a little boy. Right. You know, it's not to show that Herschel is is somehow sweetly tone deaf. When he gets on Twitter, he he almost goes through a checklist of you know offenseless offensive tweets that he could make about people in the world he 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 lost his sincerity which was the movie's strength right i just don't think that stuff is cute either and i think it's you know and maybe it's because we're living in it and it's so divisive but i just wonder how twitter jokes and cancel jokes and whatever how that stuff's yeah. going to play in the future I liked the stuff about, you know, thinking that uh, the Russian vodka w- billboard was put up by Cossacks and yeah, but um, I don't know. I had, I had a lot of fun with it and it was short enough. And the parts that I didn't like were, you know, easily weathered. Oh, yeah. It's a it's a three star for me. I liked it just fine. It was just kind of one of those curiosities that had I had people sat down to, to discuss what might have been or mm-hmm. I don't know, give each of them a confidant or another friend or family yeah, member yeah, the that they could share character. their inner life share their motivations right like i think you're right it would have been better for ben to be completely resistant instead of just not wanting to look at the photo album you know maybe having a a partner or a best friend who could have been urging him on in his in his work and figuring out what about herschel put you know put him off or made him so resistant and very strange in a movie in a dual role comedy why not give him some friends? Why not give the, why not have other, there are other characters ancillary to their individual stories. There's some interns, there's some customers for his pickle shop there. And then on Ben's side, there's uh, a Jorma Tacone playing a, uh, you know, a, an investor that he's trying to get money from, but those are very fleeting scenes. It is very strange how Ben does not seem to exist except for when he brushes up against Herschel. Right. It makes sense that Herschel is alone, but you know, it, yeah, it's all, and all those other characters are just uh, Gen Z or millennial stereotypes. They're they're not yeah fleshed out characters. Yeah, and they already feel like these characters already feel like twenty fifteen yes. or twenty fourteen characters. You know, it doesn't feel like a twenty twenty movie. It's fun. It's there if you have you know HBO Max. It's just sitting there. I'd say check it out. All right. Uh, so I guess that leaves me the onerous task of providing an introduction for she dies tomorrow you offered me the onerous task of watching it (laughs) a 20 this is an interesting the listing in imdb is already puzzling to me yeah a 2020 comedy drama sci-fi film (laughs) i don't know about any of those (laughs) i feel like these are like computer generated like a strong female lead you know they just put them all all the descriptors together i mean i think it's i would have said thriller instead of sci-fi I guess it's got a science. Were you thrilled it's by never it? Attributed to no. People what? expect it to be a horror movie, which it is not. I would call it a slog. Okay. Is that <laughs> right? Uh, okay. Well, we got a we got a classic Siskel and Ebert uh, 
I'm, I'm really less I'm really less critical than that makes it seem. <laughs> I quite like this movie, although it is very, very strange, and I absolutely will not will I cannot deny that it's kind of baffling. Um so She Dies Tomorrow is a film directed by Amy Simetz and written by her as well. Uh Caitlin Shale plays amy perhaps a clue at um how personal this story could be uh, who is uh, a young woman we observe for the first 20 minutes of the movie in something of a fugue state haze we think maybe she's got mental troubles maybe she's uh, got substance abuse problems and these things are both apparently also true but we come to discover as the movie plays out that she has become convinced uh, that she is going to die tomorrow. And it's just a piece of uh, knowledge, a piece of understanding that is planted in her mind. She becomes obsessed with it. And then she completely uh, abandons uh, her life and and becomes focused on this reality that she's convinced she's going to die. A friend of hers named Jane, played by Jane Adams, comes over to uh Care, care for her and, and kind of see what's up and is very dismissive of the idea until she herself gets home and has the realization, oh my God, I'm going to die tomorrow. And uh, it just kind of blooms from there. She goes to a uh, dinner party at the home of her brother, played by Chris Messina, uh, and his wife, Katie Asselton. And she stops in and she's in her pajamas and she's ranting and she cut herself and everybody thinks it's kind of kooky and Katie is very rude to her until Jane leaves. And then everyone at the party, including some visiting friends, basically this strain of whatever this is, this uh, psychological phenomenon spreads from person to person. And we see multiple characters dealing sometimes absurdly and comically with this revelation that they are going to die tomorrow. Josh Lucas turns up as a doctor, which was weird. Michelle Rodriguez in a very small part, along with Olivia Taylor Dudley. And that's the movie. It's just this very uh, expositionless, wandering uh, character. I guess it is a character comedy. It's following all these people in, in this ensemble around. And then we come back to Amy and she, her travels take her to i think the netherlands or i don't know where she ends up in the end but uh i'm rambling because this movie rambles but uh dan i dug this movie in spite of itself i liked what it was selling at its core uh but tell me about your experience with she dies tomorrow well i really in the end was less critical than i make it sound i think that the first act perhaps just couldn't grab me. I felt like it was just so slow and we're just seeing image after image of the main character's uh, despair and haze. And we're not sure why and not sure who the characters are or where things are even taking place. And I just really had trouble getting there, getting there with it. I just felt like if this is all going to be like this, I don't even get what this movie is. When Jane Adams entered, then I started to be able to follow along more. I could use her as a as a constant, you know, as, as an anchor into the real world until, of course, she goes mad. And then I see, OK, here's what's happening here. This is just a contagion of despair, basically. And 
from then on, I thought it was shot interestingly. Um, I didn't, you don't, the, uh, the premise is by nature episodic, right? So you never get to know any of the characters that well. You're just kind of moving from person to person, situation to situation, um, infection to infection until finally she died or she didn't. The next right, day, we get to know. she wakes up and it's the next day. Yeah. Right. Isn't it daytime? Yes, but I believe it, it's the day that it's supposed to happen. So I think I think we just n- don't get to find out. Okay. Well, I wish them all well. I I hope they didn't die, but maybe they did. Right. And I saw it compared to Melancholia, and I thought, well, you know, Melancholia just affected me in such a different way. I really enjoyed that movie. Yeah. Um, and, and I thought that that was a better analogy for the grief and the despair that the right. creators were trying to go for than this was. I, I, I do think that they were going for something similar, except I'm not quite sure what the threat was except for death. Melancholia created, yeah, the threat right. is death, but there's an, a bigger existential dread of a planetary collision. You know, yeah, right. this, you're never quite sure. They kind of light shines on them in different ways and they're hypnotized and we're not really sure what has led them to their conclusion that they're going to die tomorrow. And some of them, I think, make some very honest, have some very honest conversations. They make decisions they otherwise wouldn't have made that aren't necessarily negative decisions. Right. Because they feel like this is my last day on Earth, but certainly no one lives it to the full. And they all just kind of fall down helpless and without any energy rather than live their last day. Right. I thought about the melancholia thing too. And the difference with melancholia also is that you get a, a very, uh, a very long first act where you get to know the characters. And then there's, you know, there's some surprises in the way different characters deal with it. We kind of meet these characters as they are already, you know, in this state or they're about to be. Um, I guess what I respond to about this movie, uh, is just that central idea of of sudden the sudden realization of mortality and i know this is all mm-hmm. kind of cliched college navel gazing kind of stuff but that is available to anyone at any time you right. know when you're having a dinner party or you're being uh, smug or you're being funny or you're just partying or you're doing mushrooms or whatever at any moment you could actually face mortality and it could shatter the kind of facade of just you know being a person living your life um and i don't for some reason i find those kind of topics fascinate me at this point in my life um partly because of approaching middle age and partly because of personal spiritual journeys and and things that i took for granted in the past which i no longer can so i so i just kind of dug the this kind of uh seeing this play out albeit absurdly but you know with very good performances i think um you you said in a message earlier that that's kind of what saves the movie and i think that's probably true Uh, i like chris messina i like katie asselton and um i I do like movies also that are laser focused on a single idea and explore it so yeah I, i don't know that i'd call this entirely successful i just i liked it great it's a two and a half star for me yeah it's fair All right. uh, It looks like we did it. 
Well done. Uh, go us. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to us talk. All of you. Bill, Billy, Brian, Dan, you li- you listen to Bill? So you're probably Some, listening. Sometimes. Hey, Dan. <laughs> uh, all right. This has been our podcast. We're Dan and Josh. You can follow us both on Twitter and Letterboxd. The show is at Holds Up Pod on Twitter. And our music, as always, is by Jonah Rapino. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. If I can just pick it up here. Yeah. Because you type in American and there's all sorts of movies. That's a big old, yeah. And you you start with P.I. and, of course, American Pie is first. Right. So they, you know, that would probably seem like very tame and wholesome 20 years later, I'd imagine. Whereas it had seemed so shocking and daring. Right. Whenever that was. Anyway, but this is not American Pie this is a little more savory offering called an American pickle. Ah, I mean, I, you did it.